Welcome to the world of digital sound. Hey there, how you doing good folks on the internet? This is Ken. This is in fact the Ken Burton Show podcast story. And uh, this one's a bit of a special because um, it's been years since I did one of these now, literally years. And uh, I don't know, I mean, people, people kind of sit back and they think, well, you know, where have you been, what you've been doing? And lots of people have been asking me questions. And very occasionally I get recognized in the street and uh, people say, uh, didn't you used to be Ken Burton? <laughs> long time ago, long, long ago and far away. But um, I have a special for you. And uh, it's 2018. And when I think back to the last time I made one of these, which was a long, long time ago now. Um, and I, I kind of, I, I occasionally slip back into people asking me questions about the past and, and saying, well, you know, where are you now? What are you doing now? And, you know, how, how, how are things? And, you know, asking me questions about machinima and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Well, a uh, couple of things for you. I have, Carried on drinking, obviously. I've got a glass of wine in front of me. Hold on. Mmm. Delightful Chardonnay. And um, I didn't last very long with my uh, quitting of the smoking. Um, probably, probably about five years I quit smoking for. And then I started again. Um, but I started again because I... <laughs> something happened and uh it was very stressful it was very difficult and i started smoking again and you know it's it's just one of those things i i now actually enjoy having a fag i enjoy smoking and it's one of the few things that in life you can do even though it's become ridiculously expensive it's one of the things in life that you can do still that is legal you know i'd like to go and get a spliff i'd like to um you know uh jack up occasionally i'd i'd like to take the happy pills i'd like to take the odd line of coke and oh, christ you know um <laughs> that's something we'll cover in more detail but um all these things are illegal and i am a respected pillar of the community so Let's cover this um, and cover some of the questions I asked. Biggest question I'm asked, what the fuck happened to Machinima? Right, Machinima got bought out by Warner Brothers, okay? Um, and the great names, the good names, and the people that mattered left uh, because they, they simply couldn't stay. There wasn't a place for them. I had been um, got rid of long before that summarily dismissed even though i was self-employed i was contracted so it was easy to do but what happened with machinima is something that perhaps just to set the record straight um we when it was machinima we we had um a really good team management team that listened and understood and that we're willing to take machinima to the next level so there was an idea that we would um, get a premises in the uk 
that those premises would be used for studio work, for teaching people how to use uh, audio and visual, visual content. Very, very similar to the YouTube space and that we would take a lead in that and this was before youtube space was was announced in the uk and uh we priced it up and we we you know we got the, through the first set of capexes and stuff and um we were getting geared up to have a team of maybe five people in the uk who were going to be managing a uh european central hub a gaming space where we would do very similar to what they did in the US, where new games that came out, a lot of people on the sofa, big names, and we would sit down, we would do stuff. And um, the whole Warner Brothers thing took over, despite the fact I did a, a whole load of work on, uh, on getting this um, proposed. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they pulled the plug and they said, um, okay, you can carry on managing the UK channel, but you have no budget. And I was like, what? So you want me to go and approach Syndicate and KSI and all these big guys and say, will you please make videos for the UK channel, but do it for free? And... Um, obviously you know it just wasn't going to fly was it it just never was it wasn't going to fly so you know that's where it ended up and uh, eventually they just pulled the plug on the whole thing and said well you, you're not getting the views you haven't got the content no we haven't because you pulled the fucking budget you numpties what did you think was going to happen but we we spent a lot of time, did a lot of work, and the European Gaming Hub would have been the first step, I think, into the esports thing. Um, and I, I, do you know, I, do, I know it's a big claim, but I think we had the idea for esports way before esports took off. We had the idea, uh, and it was an obvious idea, of course it was. But we had the back in, we we had the people, and we were ready ready to go for it. But um, it died because they pulled the budget, and then they basically said, "Well, you know, you're not getting the views in the UK. It's not worth the effort." Blah blah blah, and uh, they pulled the plug, and that just completely fucked us completely. So many good people in the UK, so many people bought into this. And do you, do you know who I feel really sorry for? UK gamers, because I, I was one-to-one -one with a lot of UK gamers and um, they bought into the vision and everybody could see the way it was going to go. We, we were going to bring people in like, you know, we were going to bring people in from all over Europe all over um, America and you know just to spend a week with us and game with us and we'd live stream it and we'd make videos and you know it was it was what the whole thing was about but they they didn't see the vision didn't understand the vision uh, when it came to it and um, because of the Warner Brothers thing they didn't fund it and some great guys some great guys that I work with um great guys and girls um just backed out of it because
there wasn't any anything in it for them and you can really understand that so that's what happened to machinima okay so from machinima I, I had some really good contacts when I worked in America and I went to work with a great company called Network of One and I went to work with another company called Entrepreneur uh, who were the entrepreneur.com website. So we, we worked a lot with these guys and um, it, it was good. I mean, it gave me my five years of being in the industry, but entrepreneur entrepreneur was a startup and that died and network of one <laughs> I don't know why I'm to that I, d I really don't that was for me that was the epitome of everything that is wrong about a startup um, they had a, a fantastic idea a brilliant concept um, and it would have worked it would have worked if they hadn't of politicised it um, brought in too many managers and not enough foot soldiers and uh, if they'd have left the thing to be run on the concept of what it was you know it would have worked and it would have worked well but it didn't work and now I don't even know where that is I, I see reviews for Network of One occasionally and you know it's not good but uh, hey there you go so I came back to the UK and um, <laughs> what did I do? Right, so I've made some money in America and I knew I could take some time off. So I took a year off and uh, I ended up working for a charity and I was making videos for that charity. It was an animal charity. It, it was fun. It was interesting. I was not under pressure in any way shape or form uh, the charity would send me videos of the animals and then I would um, edit and produce those videos and that was their online content and uh, I did that for the best part of a year uh, I loved it with a passion it was um, it was so much fun it was so much fun to do um, but I got to the end of the year they decided that they would employ somebody um, to do that work and that person wasn't going to be me because um, with, when they offered to pay me and they offered me minimum wage <laughs> I was um, a little bit insulted by it and uh, I, ju I just backed away I just moved away from it so from that I started selling cars never done that before but I moved into the car sales and I did that for the best part of I don't know maybe 10 months um, and that was good that was good I like car sales my heart is in the motor trade my life has always been in the motor trade although I've done 15 years in IT IT management project management I, I just love the motor trade I mean the the people you know the Motor trade people are a breed apart, um, and I know you know I I ended up as a car salesman, so I'm I'm pretty much like lower than a snake's belly, if you like. But I liked it, you know, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, from there, I went on to selling sofas, 
and uh, to say that was mind destroying and mind loving, mind numbingly, numbingly boring, is a gross understatement. It was horrible. It was horrible, and I think a lot of it is because um, you get a lot of sales scared people. People that, you know, they move boxes for a living. They never negotiate for anything. And yet here they are in a position where they're trying to buy something. They're trying to show off to the wife or the wife's trying to show off. And, you know, they're trying to get a deal. And the company I work for don't didn't do deals. And, oh, God. And it's a fucking sofa, for fuck's sake. You sit on it. Just pick one that like, you like the look of and buy the fucking thing. Don't sit there debating it for two hours. Christ. So that's what I did for a while. And then I went back into the motor trade. Started selling cars again. Company I work for is utterly shit. Um, with a, a really, really weird mentality. As I say, I've been in the motor trade all my life. In one guise or another. These gaps, by the way, are me drinking. So... I was really amazed to find that in this day and age, in 2018, there are still major main dealers in this country that are backstreet garages. They cheat, they lie, they um, con you. Their standards are fucking terrible. You know, I'm expected to sell a car for 15,000 quid that has dents over its scratches, uh, one key and no logbook. You know, and you think, what the fuck? Personal opinion. I really hope that one day I will find an honest garage and go to work for them. But I've yet to find it. I've, I've yet to find it. So that's what I've been doing since I left Machinima and Los Angeles and, you know, all the rest of it. And uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a few things about Los Angeles that... Um, I kind of hinted at maybe in the past, but I've never really talked about. I was shunned in Los Angeles. I was treated like a leper. I was honestly treated like I got a fucking disease by people at Machinima. And I once got an explanation from uh, Hutch, who told me that basically the reason why it's happening is because we are hardcore gamers and you are a social gamer you're a fun gamer and this is all about hardcore gaming and I told him what a cunt he was that day I told him that you know you are really insular you are you are basically separating like 80% of your audience who are not hardcore gamers because you think you're better than everyone else and you're fucking not. Um, and he and I fell out that day. Um, <laughs> very clearly. And um, that's just the way it was, you know. Um, seen Anna's nice guy. Um, I met him twice, maybe three times. He didn't really talk to me. He didn't want to talk to me. Um, he didn't make an effort to talk to me. And again, you see, hardcore gamer talking to a social gamer he he felt that he was a world apart from me um and you know that it it kind of hurt to be honest when i went to america i actually thought 
that I would be welcome with open arms, bringing in the um, the lower end of the spectrum into their gaming community. And I wasn't. I was treated like I had fucking leprosy. Um, and not only by him. I mean, uh, there were a lot of others in there. You know, there, there were people that were absolutely fantastic. Constant was a brilliant guy. A brilliant guy. Um, and he wasn't the only one, you know. I, I met some really nice people while I was out there. But the people that I looked up to, respected, that I thought, these are the guys I want to get to know. These are the guys, these fun guys that enjoy their gaming and stuff. And it did... It was just mad. It was just mad. And uh, do you know one of the biggest disappointments? I met Mr. Sark in Germany twice. And the first time we were out there, he was brilliant. We had a laugh and a joke and enjoyed, enjoyed our time out there. Second time I met him, he was a little bit cooler. And then when I went to the US, I don't think he spoke to me twice. The only time that he spoke to me was when I really was when I was on Radio Respawn. Um, and that just absolutely amazed me. And I was so disappointed by it. I was, uh, I mean, I'm in a foreign land, right? I'm 3,000 miles away from the UK. I'm in a shitty apartment and um, that they, they did on Airbnb. Um, it wasn't as if anybody said, oh, we're, we're going for a drink tonight, why don't you come with us? Or we're going for a meal tonight. Nobody did that. Everybody shunned me. Um, and I, I really didn't get why. I really didn't. There was no effort made uh, on anyone's part to, you know, understand where I was and what I was doing. I mean, if, if Mr. Sark had come to the UK or Hutch or seen others and they they had um, taken part in, you know, what we were doing in the UK, the UK gaming scene at the time, it would have been so different. I, I would have been meeting them every night, having a drink, having a laugh, chewing the fat. I would have brought some people in to meet them. Um, you know, I would I would have made an effort. No effort was made. Zero effort was made uh, towards me when I was out there. Um, and I was really felt that I was really made to feel like an outsider. And the only thing that they got me involved in was Radio Respawn. And um, I, I was just gobsmacked at that. Just gobsmacked. There were so many things we could have done. And uh, I don't understand why. I mean, what did I do to offend these guys? I mean, especially Sark. I mean, Sark was wearing my Ken T-shirt on on some of his um, uh, videos. He was um, talking about me in the, uh, the uh, Respawn reviews that they did. And I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get what I did wrong. Um, but it was weird. It was weird. The whole thing was just weird. Maybe I wasn't the right guy to do it. And uh, incidentally, I will just point out that I wasn't the 
the only choice for that role. When I became the UK community manager, uh, JX23 had been talking to um, Machinima for a little while about doing exactly that. And then um, he didn't get the job, I did. Maybe he would have made a far better job of it than I did. I don't know. Um, I think probably, probably looking back at it now, he was a hardcore gamer, he still is. And I think he would have been more accepted uh, than, I, than I was. But as far as I was concerned, I was representing the rank and file. I was representing the the casual gamer, the guy who just picks up his Xbox controller every couple of days. He's not obsessed with it, but he enjoys playing COD. You know, he enjoys playing all these games. And um, that was who I felt that I was representing. But these guys were simply not recognised um, as being anything other than a stain on the, the bottom of somebody's shoe um, as far as machinima went and that that really disappointed me it it, it just seriously did I mean d literally I was out there for um, the first time I was out there I was out there for a month absolutely nobody nobody asked me to go for a drink or um, wanted to meet after work or even in work invited me to get involved in anything and then the second time I went out there it was with a different company and the the story was so different it was just so different I wasn't with Machinima at that point I was um, with another company and you know we we did socialize we talked we listened we we chewed the fat we went through ideas and um, it was just, it was just a really good time, um, and I, I really don't understand. I think that was a major failing on Machinima's part, and I, I wasn't the only one. I mean, um, Junkyard went out there, um, and he went in and shook a few hands, and it just turned up on spec with his with his kid, and um, they fucked him as well. They. The, the, you know people hardly spoke to him um, and when they were doing a segment he said well you know you've you've got me here uh, maybe I could get in on that segment and they were like oh no it's all scripted it's all planned blah 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 bollocks bollocks they just don't give a shit about people like us and I think that was their downfall in the end um, I think there is still a gap a huge gap for a machinima-esque type operation that does concentrate on average gamers and it isn't esports it isn't mlg it's just you know mr average sitting in his house playing cod or i don't know maybe red dead or or whatever i think there's a huge amount of missed potential in that but you know i'm i'm now too long in the tooth to um, to get involved in that, it's it's a real shame. I think it's really unfortunate. I think to an extent, Machinima worked to the detriment of the average gamer. I think they put people off. Esports is massive, of course it is, and you know it's about it's about diehards and wannabe diehards. 
But there are millions of us out there who are average gamers that do it for the fun and we just get ignored. Um, so part and parcel, I guess. So um, I'm selling cars now and uh, that's fine. I don't mind that. Although the company I'm working for isn't, you know, isn't all that. But um, at some point, I guess I will move on. I've only got probably a couple of years left of work before I dip out, go somewhere else. But um, no, it's it's been a it's been an interesting time. To an extent, it's been a difficult time. Um, and on a personal level, I've been through a couple of things that I'm not really sure if I should talk about. I um, I mean the the fateful. <laughs> God, do you believe that? The faithful are actually still around. I still talk to them on Facebook. Um, the the faithful are beyond words. The faithful of basically what's kept me going, but uh, and certainly kept me going through my time at Machinima and beyond. I. I understand all this shit about uh, mental health these days and those of you who have been through the podcast stories uh, will probably understand this more than most and if you haven't listened to the podcast stories go to number one get to 100 and you are a member of the faithful simple as that you know me backwards you know me inside out and every fucking which way if you can get to that point and the best way of listening to those by the way is to get a, a downloader and uh, just get onto YouTube get the video use one of the uh, YouTube downloaders and download the audio because they are only audio apart from one so um, about a year ago 18 months ago I started to have really, really dark thoughts um, beyond anything I could comprehend or understand. A, l a lot of it was to do with my past and it was coming back to haunt me on a regular basis. Every night it was nightmares. Every day I closed my eyes and I was getting flashbacks. And so I went to see a doctor and that's a big thing for me because I fucking hate doing that. And um, he pointed me towards um, a psychologist and a psychiatrist and a team, a team of people. Um, that were going to look after me and these people would come around my house I would have to go to appointments and after a few weeks of this they said to me you are bipolar and I was like fuck off and they said no you are you are bipolar but um you have 
what we term psychopathic tendencies. Now, I always thought a psychopath was some fucking nutcase that ran around with a knife, but apparently a psychopath is somebody that doesn't feel emotion. Um, and I kind of understand where they're coming from with that. I don't feel emotion like other people do. Um, though, to, uh, it's, it's difficult to say this, but I mean, those of you that have maybe gone through the podcast stories will look at some of the things in there and think, how did he do that? How did he do that without feeling fear or um, remorse for some of the things I did or guilt? And I didn't. I didn't feel any of those things. I, I was to an extent fearless, not because of any rational reason, but purely because I didn't used to feel fear. It it wasn't in my wasn't in my remit. But all of those things, as we discussed when we talked about consequences, all of those things, and that's that's podcast one hundred, which I recommend you you listen to. All of those things became something and it built up and it does catch up with you and whilst I still didn't feel emotion in the way that perhaps you would I could, I could sit and watch a video of ISIS beheading five guys and not think anything, not feel anything and then I go downstairs, sit down, watch a film and in the middle of the film there's an advert with a kitten on it and I start crying <laughs> I was my my emotions I was not in control of and that happened a lot but I it got to a point where I just wanted it to stop I just needed it to stop and I spent maybe six months trying to find a way every day to stay alive because I didn't want to. I wanted it to end. And it's not, when you think about suicide and the, the reasons behind suicide, it wasn't a, it wasn't an emotional decision it was a conscious decision for me it was a problem and the solution was to end my own life and that's just what i wanted to do even now there are still dark thoughts there are dark days but every day during that point, I tried to find the positives. I tried to find a reason to live. 
and I didn't succeed every day and some days I came closer than I'd like to admit and being a diabetic of course it's easy because you just take an OD of insulin and sit there and sleep so I knew it was easy and because it was easy I don't know maybe to, to, it's a good thing I didn't have a gun I think I think I'd rather go out in a blaze of glory though um, I think I'd rather go out rescuing the, the baby from the burning building than uh, being the coward that took the easy way out because that's what it is I mean suicide is easy and the other thing is of course is the effect on your family and that was really difficult it was really difficult to think about but yeah I, I, I've been there there's a lot of people from my past who would say it's a shame you didn't fucking do it wanker and I can understand that and it's it it is I think the past that comes back to haunt you I, I as I say I was diagnosed with bipolar um, they gave me all sorts of meds and I I decided I wasn't going to take them because they were turning me into a fucking zombie and I I thought no I'm going to deal with it and what happens happens you know so I don't take the meds for it I know I, I try and stay on an even keel difficult as fuck to do but I try every day I try you need to have listened to the podcast stories to understand why I'm saying this you need to understand the type of nightmares that I get although they're not as frequent now I tend to have a regime now I go to bed late, get up early less time sleeping and um, it seems to work for me I, I work to take my mind off it and try and keep going Am I happy in what I'm doing now? No, I don't think... I think happiness is... Happiness is deserved. And I kind of don't deserve it. Although... I get more, way more than I deserve. I've got a fantastic wife. I've got a, a really clever, insightful and very bright son. And that's more than I deserve. life is manageable it's not brilliant but it's manageable and that's how I keep going but there are dark days of course there are so you see all this on the TV at the moment as well about um, 
mental health is the new I don't know it's the new watchword it's it's what everybody's talking about and everybody's got their problems but I tell you what you you in the UK if you are a 50 year old plus white male <laughs> the suicide rate is way beyond anything else in the demographics it's way beyond teenage millennial or female suicide but they never talk about it because white males are the enemy in the UK now we're the problem um, and that's why it never gets discussed and mainstream media just never pick it up hundreds every year kill themselves because it's a sense of hopelessness there's nothing else for them and I actually understand that I, I relate to that but it's not all doom and gloom um, I, I recently bought a new car uh, which I, I really like um, I still drink, I still smoke kind of the, there's a part of me though that that misses the uh, machinima days I miss I miss being popular I know I know it doesn't compare but do, you know when uh, you get one of these actors that has a one hit wonder in a movie and then they they go to obscurity and they're unknown I, d I know how that feels uh, to an extent I, I had this huge following I had this huge popularity and only because of machinima nothing to do with who I was but it was it was nice to be a public figure for a little while and maybe if I'd have played it different I still would be but I had to try and maintain my sanity so um, what's this been this has been an update a little bit enlightenment to let you know where we are what we're doing and uh, especially for the faithful who who constantly <laughs> message me and ask me questions about where I am and what I'm doing I'm selling cars boys I'm selling cars it's not quite the high life in Los Angeles but um, it's a living and uh, I, I promised I wasn't going to do another one of these podcasts but because of the the sheer amount of messages I get asking me these questions I've got to do one there are also one or two stories left um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of one now and it's making me smile um, there are one or two stories left and uh, you never know I might make them I might record them do you know what it's a weird thing isn't it I do you know how everybody that plays the lottery thinks they're going to win 
I actually thought that at some point my podcast stories would have been picked up into a TV series or something like that. I think they are they're TV worthy. I'd love to see it made. I'd love to relive it. Some of the laughs, some of the jokes. Days when boys were boys and girls were girls. Be a great time to go back to. But hey, you can't have everything in life, can you? So um, this is where we sign off and we'll see how it goes. I mean, we'll see what the comments are like on this video. And if people want to hear the the missing stories, or I won't call them missing stories, I'd call them additional. If anyone wants to hear those, leave your comments in the comments section and uh, I'll see what I can do. In the interim, you guys all take care. And I will see you on the dark side. <laughs> see you guys. Welcome to the world of digital sound.